Hey everyone, it's producer Jake. If you're hearing this, then you are listening to a free preview of our weekly bonus interview. This is where we feature our series and lots of interesting one-off episodes. If you want to hear the full episode, go to our Substack, AmericanPrestigePod.com, and subscribe. Thanks. What is fiat money for for non-experts? Precisely, what is fiat money, and how does it relate to what people might know? You know, they're they're using a dollar in their everyday life. Yeah, so what happens um, in the closing decades of the 18th century is that, you know, basically paper money comes to be used. And paper money here initially is just a, a representation for a piece of gold. So you could actually still go to the bank and the, or the central bank and say, like, you know, I'd like to exchange this piece of paper for the gold that's somewhere in your vault. What begins to happen um, in the 18th century is that the notion of money as a circulating sign, as something that actually has value, not because you can exchange it for, you know, something with quote unquote real value, but something that has value because others accept it. And in particular, the state accepts it. Money that has value because you can, you know, use it to pay your taxes. That's, I think, what we now understand as fiat money. So fiat money is money that's backed by the state that has value because, a major um, you know, player in that monetary economy, namely the tax state, accepts that form of token um, as, a, as a form of payment for your tax obligations. And that's so, what I love about that is just encapsulates basically the whole problem of the last 600 years, which is the state begins to get the barbarian monopoly of violence. It begins to be able to collect taxes. And it, be, uh, it, 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 um, it begins to decide what currencies are acceptable. And it just shows in a very stark way, as oftentimes when you return to origin points does, the sort of violence behind any form of monetary system, the, the violence that backs it up. And, and that's really um, interesting. So maybe you could actually explain for people who, who might not know who Fichte is, early German nationalist, why is he important? Why does he become an important um, figure for German thinkers like Marx over the course of the 19th century? Yeah, first on the on the Weber point. So Weber himself actually spills quite a bit of ink on a state theory of money. He, he adopts um, a reading of the close link between monetary orders and state force um, that's developed at the same time by other German theorists, not least Knapp, who's kind of become you know, an important figure in, in those debates, who coined the term chartalism, um, which is often seen as a kind of you know, early form of MMT. So Weber makes that link explicit because exactly he uses the same language to describe the monopoly of violence and the monopoly of issuing um, your own form of money. But Fichte is someone um, who's been, I think, actually uh, unduly neglected as an economic thinker and who's more often thought of as a kind of post-Kantian philosopher. Um, yeah. um, and an, an early theorist of nationalism, if I recall correctly, from my comp. Someone who writes a lot about the German nation. Exactly. But yeah. that's part of the reason why I think he's become neglected. And uh, in particular, in, in Germany, um, very closely associated with you know, a tarnished notion of the nation. So the first thing to say is that that happens actually fairly late in his relatively short life um, in the context of kind of pushing back against Napoleonic invasions. Um, and secondly, it's not entirely clear to me that, that that's the same kind of nationalism that, you know, would come to characterize kind of Prussian, uh, Prussian nationalism. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all basically 20th century people reading a Zonderweg, <laughs> effectively, a lot of these early German thinkers, yeah. Absolutely, and, and striking him out as someone who, you know, we, we should just kind of... Right. Um, 
worry about. But but um, even before he gives the addresses to the German nation, he's a he's a Kantian philosopher who um, likes his Rousseau. So he's kind of steeped in that in that tradition of thinking through the social contract tradition, pushing towards you know more reasonable, more perfect forms of statehood, ways in which the state can actually live up to not just the protection of bare life, but actually economic security, um, the way in which we might want to restructure economic relations, both domestically and internationally, along the lines in which um, you know the state helped to pacify legal relations, impose the social contract on that dimension. And so Fichte begins to write about money in the 1790s uh, in the context of two big experiments. One, one um, doesn't go so well, the other one goes spectacularly well. The first experiment is the use of paper money, the use of assignats by um, the French revolutionaries. Now, this is a kind of notorious paper money experiment. The, the second big paper money experiment um, closely linked to revolution in the 18th century, the, the first one obviously being um, the American one. But in the French case, like in the American case, you know, basically they quickly collapse. Uh, they kind of end in a hyperinflationary spiral. Um, they, they do the job of kind of keeping things going for a while and then there is a problem of...